It's a powerful and evocative psalm, isn't it? You'll have heard it read on numerous occasions. Occasionally now at funerals, we get asked for it to the tune of the one from the Vicar of Dibley. Um, it's become probably one of the most popular versions. I wonder if you've ever thought about how out of kilter with the rest of the psalms uh, Psalm 23 is. It's not the usual way of describing God in the Psalms. Uh, And we've got so used to it because it comes uh, up in the New Testament so much as an image, uh, I am the good shepherd, says Jesus, that we've got used to seeing this (coughs) as a way of seeing God. But most of the images of God in the Psalms are very different. God is a fortress, a strong tower, somewhere that you run to and you're saved. He is a refuge. He is a place of strength. He is a fixed location point, preferably a high point, to which you can run to and be safe from those attacking you on the outside. And if you're in a uh, society in Palestine and you've got all these sort of surrounding tribes around you, these high places, these refuges, these towers become very, very important. They're the obvious place that you retreat to. In, in our British history, we have the old Mottam Baileys, don't we? The same idea. You build a high place that you can run to and retreat to. And again and again in the Old Testament and in the Psalms, God is that sort of place. He's the place that you run away to. He strengthens you. He's solid and he's stable and static. And if you go to him, you are saved. But there were always going to be those who couldn't spend their life within the camp, whose lives weren't going to be defined by a fixed location point on this life, for whom there was more adventure to come, more of a quest. And strangely, in the Old Testament, these were some of the Uh, more outcast figures who get such a good showing in the New Testament, the the shepherds and their sheep. And the thing about sheep is you can't just keep them inside a town because they need pasture. They need to be taken out to eat. And a sheep will never rest, a sheep will never lie down unless it has been fed. You cannot train a sheep to sit down on your command. You can't go, oi, you sheep, sit. It just doesn't do it. The only way you can get a sheep to lie down in green pastures is if you have truly restored its soul, kept it safe, and given it something to eat. Then it will happily lie down, content that there is no danger around it. So in this image, we have the God who goes out with his people on the adventure or journey of finding sufficient food for them. And he guides them along right paths for his name's sake. He's got an agenda for them, and he's taking them in certain ways. Uh, You'll notice, incidentally, it talks about um, them being by still waters, quiet waters. One of the fascinating uh, images there is that you can't persuade a sheep to drink from a river. They just won't do it. They're scared of the moving water. So even if they're absolutely thirsty, they hear uh, the river um, running, and they run towards it because they realize there's water there. If it's flowing fast, they won't want it. So the shepherd, in many contexts, has to create their own still water by making a little channel 
so that the sheep can come to drink. It's an active role being a shepherd and making and finding those places of still water is often a proactive thing for them. Uh, A small stream uh, that's sort of separate and almost stationary is is ideal to take them to. Uh, And then we have the image of them walking through the darkest valleys. And there are literally these valleys of sin scattered all over the Palestinian environment. They're formed by a deep and rapid erosion. So you have jagged cliffs going down into very narrow gullies. And there are a number of these that you have to navigate through if you're a shepherd in the ancient Near East. And they were so small that you would be perpetually scared of bandits jumping down on you. You'd be alert, looking around you, trying to work out how are you going to get your sheep safely through this valley of the shadow of death. In your hands, you would have your rod, which was a mace-like vicious club about two and a half feet long. At the top of it, heavy, heavy strong wood, but probably with nails driven through the end of it so that there's sort of iron sticking out of the end of this club and they would hold it, and if an animal came near to attack, they would smash the animal with it, preferably catching them with a bit of the metal, and it would defeat most animals. When David talks about how he fought with the bear and with the lion, he was doing that with the rod, the rod, this vicious implement that they held to protect them. It wasn't just used for protection, uh, the rod. There was one other use of the rod, and that was for counting the sheep into the sheep pen. And what they would do is they would hold the rod out over the door of the sheep pen such that only one sheep at a time could get into the sheep pen. They'd have to sort of bend their knees under the rod, and that gave them time. It slowed the sheep down enough that they could count them in. Sheep one, sheep two, sheep three, sheep four. And if they got to 99 and didn't get to 100, they closed the door of the sheep pen and went chasing after the lost sheep. So this is the thing that you probably pass over in this psalm almost straight away without realizing because our culture uh, enables us to do that. But the fact that it begins with the Lord is my shepherd is just bizarre in the original context. Because... No shepherd takes one sheep out on a little walk together. It's not your morning dog walk to go out with a a little sheep. You know, they had multiple numbers of sheep. So to to personalize the shepherd to my shepherd as opposed to our shepherd would have seemed impertinent in a corporate culture. But it makes sense if the shepherd in mind is one who is had to go in order to restore someone's soul, to put them back upon the right path. The, uh, the great hymn, the king of love, my shepherd is, it has that lovely verse, doesn't it? Perverse and foolish, oft I strayed, and yet in love he sought me. And that's what Jesus picks up on in his parable, his story of the good shepherd, which is a reflection of this, which has behind it the image that There is an individual sheep who is being rescued, having gone astray by the good shepherd. He's maybe, the rod's been stretched out and he hasn't been in the sheep pen in time. And then they've called him, what name? You know, Samuel, Joshua, whatever they call the sheep in those days. And little Caleb wasn't there, so he goes and rescues him. 
So he has this rod that is a defensive club that helps him through the valley of the shadow of death, but also counts the sheep in. And he has also the staff. And you'll be familiar with the staff. It's uh, about five foot tall with a crook on the end. And the idea of this is it's for the, the general shepherding when you're with the whole flock. And the, the staff enables the shepherd to walk a long way. It's a bit of support for the shepherd. He holds on to it as he walks with the sheep the full distance. He's going to go the full distance with you, this good shepherd. He's got support. He's got preparation. He's got plans so that he can go the whole way with you. And the staff has a crook on the end of it so that if you fall into trouble or into a peril in some way, he can use it to hook it underneath your shoulder and pull you back out of trouble, or round your neck and pull you out of trouble. And this rod and this staff, they're a comfort to you because you know that God knows if you're missing, he uh, is going to go the distance with you. He's got the facilities and the tools to get you out of trouble if you get yourself into trouble. And if you're attacked by some vicious, wild uh, animal, he is capable and able and prepared to fight for you and defend you with this weapon in his hand. At this point, the psalm shifts an incredible gear uh, in verse 5, and it changes the metaphor almost entirely. Uh, some scholars think it's still talking about sheep, preparing a table before sheep, and the oil is something to do with how you look after sheep. But the most likely thing is that David's going, oh, I'm not really talking about sheep, I'm talking about me. Look, even when I've got enemies around me, he's giving me a table. Like he gives the sheep green pastures, he gives me a table. And there's danger, he's, he's looking after me, he's setting me apart. And just as surely as the good shepherd will look after his sheep and make sure they're okay, so will my God, with his rod and his staff, my good shepherd, comfort me. And you think, well, why did David write a psalm like this? And when did he write a psalm like this? The, the first idea that we generally have is he, maybe he wrote this when he was a shepherd boy, you know, when he's going out and doing these things and there's lions and all this stuff, and we know, we know he was very musical and, and so forth. Um, and, and that's entirely possible. It's certainly where he's drawing the imagery from. But if you listen through the story of his life, you listen to one of the audio Bibles and just listen through Samuel, through, um, through Chronicles, you, you, you hear these, this incredible drama of David's life. Are you familiar with it? He has moments where he seems to be being promoted uh, extraordinarily fast, and then moments where the world just collapses in on him. Moments where it looks like he's going to become king, and then he gets rebelled against. Uh, moments where he has become king for seven years in one part of Israel, but not in the other part, and they're still rebelling against him. 33 years of being king of the whole lot, and yet sons like Absalom and others rebelling against him. And times where he has to flee, times where he pretends to be mad so the Philistines don't kill him, times where he uh, is within an inch of his life when Saul chucks a spear at him, times when he's almost given up because someone who's been trying to kill him, one of his own children, ends up dead and he just sort of shuts down emotionally. David was a man who spent a lot of his time not within the safe camps where God is a mighty fortress and a stronghold. And quite a lot of time out on the journey. 
out in the wilderness, even as a grown man, even as a king, even as a warrior. A lot of his time was where it wasn't safe, where it wasn't just you are a mighty fortress. And it's really interesting that uh, among the, the three images in the Psalms that break the general, um, the general tone of God being this mighty fortress, this refuge place, uh, among the other three, these sort of uh, minority voices, uh, is the Good Shepherd, is the Good Father, and is the Mother. These three voices are the minority views of God, which Jesus brings into the New Testament. And none of the image of God being a mighty fortress or those sort of things make it into the New Testament accounts through Jesus. It's really interesting. So it is fair to still sing our, our songs, you are a mighty fortress and so forth. Um, it's true. But as Christian pilgrim people, we are supposed to be those who are out there in the danger territory. We're out there with a shepherd and, and there's a flock of us. But we do perverse and foolish off stray. We do get isolated. We are the pilgrim people who aren't just in the safe place. We're, we're out there. And like the sheep, we're stupid. Like the sheep, we get things wrong. Like the sheep, we're, we're, we're often straying away. Do you know, when, when a sheep gets itself in trouble, when it gets lost, what it does to rescue itself? Nothing. It finds a big stone or a turned over tree, puts itself as close to it as possible, and then starts bleating its head off. Sounds like the average person at prayer, doesn't it? Help, 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 help. And if you're a sheep bleating your head off, it's like putting a target on your back. It's ticking time, isn't it? The vultures are circling above. Bleep, bleep, bleep. And they're diving in on you. And unless the shepherd's alert, unless he's counted you out and in, it could be curtains for you. Do you know how sheep can defend themselves? What tools they have in their arsenal to fight back? Is it their wonderful teeth? Is it their great big horns? Is it their mighty claws? They can headbutt one another, but they've got nothing in and of themselves to defend themselves except for a good shepherd. And Jesus is saying to us, look, you guys, it's not all going to be settled and easy for you if you're going to be my disciples. It's not all going to be castles on a hill and temples for you. It's not going to be static safeness for you. It's going to be out there desperately looking for the new pastures and food, bleating along, and actually, all you've got to defend you and depend upon is me, my rod, and my staff. And the sooner you understand that, that it's me, the safer you're going to be. Because if you go off on your own, little sheep, all you can do is bleep, 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 bleep. And I'll come for you. It's so much safer if you stay in the flock, trusting me, trusting that I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies, and trusting that goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life, and eventually a promise of coming home to that house of the Lord forever. In this life, it's a tent. 
This life, we're pilgrim people. We have a little passing tent-like body. Coming ahead of us is a house, a great habitation that lasts forever. And that's where we will encounter God again as a mighty fortress when we see the new Jerusalem, the Zion on a hill that cannot be thwarted. Dear Lord Jesus, would you please today help us to re-understand who you are. Would you align our minds to good doctrine, to good understandings of God. Help us to put our trust in you as you reveal yourself to be. And as we trust you, would you change and transform us. Help us to be sheep who stay close to the shepherd and give us great gratitude in our hearts for the way you protect us again and again. In Jesus' name, amen.